Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special edition of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird, and we got a very, very special uh, guest lined up with us uh, today. Very excited um, to talk with this gentleman. He is the author of uh, a book called uh, Sergeant to CEO. Um, he's he's kind of like your all-around American badass, too. You you, you hear his story, uh, the, the trials and stuff that he's come through, and to, to go from where he was to where he is now is an amazing story. Um, those of you that are contemplating and starting your own business uh, and you're and you're wanting to uh, venture out on your own you have to get this book this is something that you have to definitely put in your arsenal uh, so without further ado let me bring him on mr. Sean Jensen Sean how are you hey good morning Adam thank you for having me on today I appreciate you taking time uh, out of your schedule. So, uh, Sean, I'm, I want to jump right into this. You know, I, I've ta- been able to talk to you for a little bit offline uh, and, and whatnot, and I've read your bio, but uh, I would, I want the listeners to hear your story. Um, so kind of take us back a little bit, uh, you know, where you started from, and then you, you are a military vet. I'd like you to, to, to touch on that, and then we'll go to where, where you are today. Well, thanks, Adam. Um, well, I, I consider myself uh, just an average, ordinary guy. Uh, yeah, I served in the Marine Corps for eight years, uh, six years active, two years in the reserve. And a couple years ago, I I set a goal for myself to uh, write a book because I uh, I felt like I had such a crazy life, and there were so many stories that I, if I didn't write it down, nobody would believe it, not even myself. And you know, and I guess over the years I've been encouraged to, uh, by others, by just sharing just bits of my story, uh, you know, say, you got to write a book. And, and so, well, you know, for me, uh, I wasn't even going to publish a book. To be honest with you, I, I went out and I hired an editor who works with veterans authors. And and uh, he got to chapter eight, I guess it was, the uh, October of the year before last, and he he called me and he asked me if I was all right. <laughs> and I, and I jokingly said to him, I said, yeah, why? What's wrong? And he goes, well, I just got through chapter eight and I just want to make sure you're okay. And I said, well, that's all in the past. And, and uh, he's like, you know, have you ever thought about publishing this book? And I said, no, I, I said, you know, this was just going to be a, a five-year goal of mine, just to you know, write it down, kind of a lessons learned thing. And he uh, pushed me to, you know, find a uh, uh, a small uh, publishing house to just help me put the you know complete the book, and now we're self published on Amazon. But my story really begins with uh, a trip to Florida in the late seventies. Uh, my 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 mother uh, went down from New York City to uh, catch up with my stepfather. Brought me and my baby brother and baby sister. <laughs> And really, this is kind of one of the last memories I can, you know, I can remember from, you know, that that childhood, which was we were living in a motel in St. Pete, Florida, and we had an abusive stepfather and a drunk, and it was just, it was a really bad situation. And uh, I just remember the police showing up and the uh, social workers showing up and and taking us away. And it was like the one of the last two looks. So... 
you know, they told us that they were going to come back to get us, but they didn't. We ended up spending uh, two horrible years in the Florida foster care system. Uh, fortunately, about my eighth birthday, we were adopted. Um, but it was a it was a struggle. You know, my childhood was a struggle. I I was a pretty angry kid and a pretty angry man. Uh, I left home at uh, fifteen and started working jobs. I I barely finished high school, and I joined the Marine Corps. And I promised myself that I would uh, uh, change and and be a better person and a better man. Not that I was a bad kid, but I was just suffering with a blame the world problem. You know, I I blamed everybody for my problems, and and you know, rightfully so. I mean, it was a very traumatic event that happened to us. But I think the the thing that you know what what's really given me my strength and perseverance in life is you know the military knowing that I could uh, I could change my destiny. And I had some really good mentors, a, a staff sergeant, and uh, towards the end of my career, a major. Uh, who took me under his wing and and showed me the ropes and, and the federal government and I you know I had a I didn't have like one of those uh, military you know five tours in Iraq career it was just when I served it was you know just right after the Gulf War and you know maybe Somalia was happening and but it was really kind of a, a quiet time in the world. When I pumped out, I went to Japan, I went to Korea and, you know, got to see things and, and I shut myself off from the rest of the world and, and just tried to find myself as a man. And I, uh, I'd like to think that I've, I've done that. I mean, that's kind of the pre, you know, entrepreneur thing, but, you know, there's a lot, you know, my book is about transitions and, you know, taking the setbacks in your life and, and, and using those as strengths. So to uh, take on uh, you know difficult situations, Sean. The, and you bring up a good point. You you said you using your setbacks and, and using those as your strength moving forward. When was the time? The show that you're on right now is called the Decision Hour, and it's it's all about you know people making that decision to move forward with their life, whether it's to get into upper management or to you know venture out and start their own company or go back to school or or they're in a bad relationship and they make that decision to leave. It's it's all about making that decision. It's it's instead of you know a lot of us find ourselves you know uh, kind of going through life with just your toe in the water and, and nobody wants to take that what I like to call that leap of faith and and, and jump and, and make that decision when was that time uh, for you when when do you remember making that decision to move forward oh I mean that's a really good good question I actually talk about uh, key decision points in my book um, one of those was I was on my final tour and I was uh, coming into Quantico Marine Corps base. And I, I actually had uh, three MOSs in the Marine Corps. I, I started off as infantry, but got hurt, moved into motor T as my primary. And then I picked up a marksmanship uh, MOS and later a hazmat MOS. Uh, so I had two and a half years left on my uh, enlistment. I was uh, a corporal and I was getting uh moved into Quantico Marine Corps base and I was checking in, there was really two options for me. There was the rifle ranges where I would teach marksmanship, which was great fun and a great duty. But 
and the other was motor transport, and the other was the hazmat, but I didn't have the formal hazmat MOS. And, and I told myself that Quantico was going to be my last duty station. That This was it for me. I was going to leave the Marine Corps. I knew it. So I did something uh, I guess some people would consider bold in their first enlistment, which is, you know, I asked the Marine Corps uh, for a position rather than go where they were assigned to me. And as luck would have it, you know, I asked uh, the career planner you know, if I could uh, find a position in the environmental field. And, you know, she said, uh, yeah, we'll go down to environmental affairs and meet with the major. And and I, you know, I remember stepping in the guy's office, snapping to attention and, sir, you know, I'd like to join your uh, environmental division. And, you know, he's holding my SRB and like, well, you know, why do you want to come here? You know, and I told him, I said, this is it. I need to learn a trade that's going to take me to the outside. I really like the hazmat and chemical stuff. And and uh, I'd like to, you know, finish my enlistment with you, sir. And he you know, I was bluntly honest with him. And he said yes. And they switched my orders and picked off a bunch of other commands because they were going to be a body short. But uh, <laughs> uh, that was, uh, you know, that was the point where uh, I'd made that first critical life decision that, you know, all right, I'm done screwing around. I know that I'm going to leave the military. I know that, you know, I'm a 22-year-old guy and, and, and I need to get serious about living and taking care of my responsibilities. And I hadn't... Uh, you know, I wasn't married or anything at that point in time, but, you know, shortly after I did get married, and I talked about that in the book, too. Um, so, you know, I, I married into uh, my wife, already had a daughter, and uh, and I, I became her stepdad, and, and, you know, I'm young, you know, 22 years, and I tell you, that was the all these responsibility decision points. And so I worked my butt off. In the, in the Marine Corps and went to every environmental school you could. Um, became uh, an infinite command level guy where uh, I could run large catastrophes or uh, chemical incidents and really just skilled. I'm not a college educated guy. I mean, I, you know, I've got your CEUs and things like that. I, I you know, I have ADD and HD, unfortunately. So I, 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 one of those guys, if I really like something, you know, I'll uh, I'll enjoy it and learn it instantly. And if I can't stand it, I turn you off. There you go. Like <laughs> a TV. Yeah. It's, a, it's an unfortunate. <laughs> it's an unfortunate uh, 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 personality trait that I guess I have. And, and of course, my wife doesn't like it either because it's I call it selective hearing. But, uh, <laughs> I, but, uh, and here I just thought all all guys that were married had selective uh, hearing. That's, that's well, I, I can't. I can blame it on my ADD, but. Uh, you know, I don't take any treatment for anything like that, but I've, I've had it since I was young. Right. But yeah, that was the big decision point. You know, I, I, um, you know, when I was leaving the military, I just knew enough that, Hey, I need to get serious. So I don't fall on my face when I got outside. And, and, and let me say, I think that's really, uh, Awesome to be because you're talking about you're 22, 23 years old around this time frame, correct? 
Yes. And, and, and see, a lot. I remember when I was 22, 23, I wasn't thinking about what I wanted to do when I grow up, you know, let alone what I was what I was planning on afterwards. So it's, I think it's it's great that you caught that at a, at a, at a younger age where I think most people don't do that. And I think nowadays it's really important, especially those that are coming out of uh, the military now or that are, that are getting ready to make that transition. They're not sure what they want to do. Uh, it's important for them to, uh, start thinking about that stuff before they, before they leave folks real quick. You're, you're listening to the decision hour, which means you're, you're online right now. If you want to, we're going to have these links up uh, of where you can get Sean's book. Uh, but, you know, go to, uh, you follow him on Facebook at, uh, you know, facebook.com, Sergeant2CEO. Uh, he's, uh, he's got a public figure page on Facebook, uh, Sean P. Jensen. Uh, we'll have that up, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, he's in, and we'll put up the, uh, the Amazon link where you guys can get the book uh, again. So, Sean, please continue. Uh, well, thanks. I mean, I, I guess you, you hit on a good point there, you know, the transition, um, you know, starting early. One of the frustrating things that, you know, I deal with today as an executive is uh, running into some of the, the veterans that are coming out. And again, the TAPS classes haven't gotten any better and the resumes are just, you know, they, they, they in some cases just completely horrendous because to a person who's not military, they have no idea what the guy did. Right. And, you know, so I, you know, I, I actually 35% of my workforce are veterans in my, my company. I go out of my way to hire vets whenever I can. Um, and I, and I mentor them and I coach them and, and, you know, I do what I can to help them with their transitions. But the thing that here that, you know, kind of, pushed me out there. I, I'm always considered myself to be a behind the, the scenes guy. You know, I, I think there's a, in the veterans community, uh, I think when we have something really good going in our life, you know, I'm always worried that somebody may take it away from us. <laughs> I mean, that may not sound like, you know, uh, I mean, it may not sound like, oh, no, not everybody thinks that, but I think there's just this idea that you know, when you're successful, you, you know, need to be quiet about it. Right. And there's a lot of veterans out there that are, are, are very successful in their careers and in the businesses, but you don't hear about them. And I had one of my mentors as a Vietnam veteran. I talk about him in the book. His name's Jack Beecher. Until uh, this day, he's like the, like a father to me. Um, I met him uh, when I was, you know, basically starting my business and I and I, I heard about the guy. He was a legendary guy, and I, I, I remember going into his office and, you know, pitching him on my company. And, you know, at the time, I, I was I was a brand new company. It was just me, a pickup truck, and my back porch. And I got down there, and you know, and he says, "Well, that's great. You know, it sounds like uh, you got a really good business." And you know, and I was, of course, talking him up, and he says, well, how big is your firm? And I said, you're looking at it. And this guy had a lot of lot of power, a lot of stroke. He could recommend you to get contracts with the Army Corps of Engineers. And I remember him smiling, and he said, you know, that's the first honest small business owner statement I've heard in 30 years. 
And his point was that, you know, go out there, be yourself, and, and you know, don't worry about what other people think. Be honest with them. They'll appreciate you more. But, but he asked me about, uh, at that time, he asked me why I didn't have my business registered as a, as a, a service-disabled veteran-owned business. We, and I, and I, I said, well, you know, why would I want to do that? And, you know, why do we want to have something in our card that says we're disabled? You know, and, and he said, because, you know, first of all, you know, there's a you know program with the Veterans Administration, which allows you to uh, bid on contracts that are, you know, specifically set aside for disabled veteran companies. And two, you should be proud of your service. And, you know, and I didn't really think about it until many years later. But I went ahead and added that, you know, to my card. And over the years, you know, he's pushed me out front. Um, I guess I'm kind of like that uh, baby he helped raise, I guess, in the in business out front. And you know, and as as an example to other veteran-owned businesses. So. Um, I don't know if I'm kind of getting on a tangent here. No, I mean, it, it, I think that's important. And, 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 and for those of you that don't know, listeners that don't know, um, if, if, you know, those of you, maybe you, you're a veteran and you have, because we, we have a lot of veterans that listen to the show, a lot of non-veterans that listen to the show, but the, the vets out there that if you, if you have uh, a service-connected disability and, and you own an own, your own business, you really, and you haven't done so already, contact the VA and get registered as a, uh, see if you qualify and register as a um, service-connected disability uh, veteran-owned business. Uh, that, that's really important, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. We've brought that up, and that's something that I advocate uh, all the time to uh, you know veterans that we run across here. So, well, it's really easy. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say it's really easy, but there's some pa- know, there's some down- paperwork involved, but it's definitely right. It's de- it's right. definitely worth it. Well, go to vetbiz.gov, and they have everything you need to go. It's the Center for Veterans um, Enterprises or Excellence. And you go in there, register your company, you know, you fill out the paperwork. You know, you basically have to make sure that you own and unconditionally operate your company as a veteran business. And what I like about it is that whether you paint fences or, you know, you have a product or you have a, um, uh, you know, a trade that you're really good at, whether you, you know, you can go to the VA uh, and search for, you know, projects that are coming out and you can bid on them under that particular status. So once you, you know, get your verification as a veteran-owned business or service-disabled veteran-owned business, you can actually bid on this stuff. And what that does is that reduces the amount of competition that you would have to face on the outside. Now, granted, you know, I wouldn't recommend it if you're not in the business doing work for the federal government, I wouldn't recommend it. You know, it's just, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of hassle. But if your end user is the federal government, you should definitely consider it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to take a step back here real quick because, uh, you know, you you went from the military. You started your own business, but but prior to that, after you left the military, you you kind of went into the private sector for for a little while. Is that correct? 
Um, that is, I, you know, I, about six months out prior to leaving the service, I took the initiative to start sending out resumes and engaging, uh, the workforce, the civilian workforce. And I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I did that. It was, uh, um, I don't wait until, you know, 90 days prior. You know, I'm not saying that you're going to get a job already, but you need to get that interview experience. And even if you don't, you know, get a job, you know, in that six months that you're getting out or before you get out, you know, it, it gives you an opportunity to, to make sure you have a pulse on the market and you know what companies are hiring. And, um, and it gives you time to, you know, work on your resume and brush those things up. But for me, it didn't go as smoothly as I, I planned the first job that I took. I actually couldn't stand. I, 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 my number one job is I wanted to go work in, I wanted to work in the environmental field and I wanted to deal with chemicals and put suits on. And I don't know, maybe it was that, uh, adrenaline rush of <laughs> knowing that whatever on the outside of your suit could kill you. Um, I actually, you know, I'd, I'd live for that kind of stuff, but <laughs> I ended up getting, I ended up getting a job working as a, a technical recruiter for this uh, staffing firm. And <laughs> about a month and a half into it, you know, I came home one day, I looked at the wife and I said, I hate this job, <laughs> you know, and now I was second guessing every daggone decision I had made up to that point. Right. And I'm going, you know, did I make the right call going out of the military? Oh. And, you know, she looked at me and, you know, I, I think between us we could scratch, you know, $40,000 a year, um, you know, with both our salaries. And she's like, you know, if you don't like it, you need to, you need to let it go and, and move on. And so I, I promptly quit. <laughs> And I went back to all the other companies I had uh, previously marketed for a job. And I was fortunate enough to get a job with a, a Fortune 500 construction company in the Northern Virginia area. Now, I started out at rock bottom and, uh, you know, totally, you know, rock bottom. And... I knew exactly what that was. It was like being a private again. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like being in the military again then. Yeah. Well, yeah. I got to shovel this ditch. And, you know, and I said, I know how to use a shovel. So, you know, I went right to work. And But as I was, you know, in that in that business at the bottom point, I used it as an opportunity to learn everything I could. I wanted to know everything. I did. And, and I, I went out there and I said, Hey, you know, do you mind if I run that piece of heavy equipment? They're like, no, you can't run that, but you can run this. And they stick me on a bobcat and where I promptly dump a load of dirt on me. But, <laughs> you know, what I had to start, what it taught me was that, you know, you don't just get in there and become a CEO overnight. You just don't get in there and become, uh, a leader on the outside overnight, uh, you know, you're going to have to work at it if you really want it. Yeah. So, and within that time frame of the, the two and a half years that I spent with that firm before I got laid off, by the time I left at a company, I was running $68 million worth of environmental field work at 25 years old. Holy smoke. Wow. Yeah. And across three states. 
and I was still making fourteen, sixteen dollars an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but but that was okay because I didn't I didn't understand. And what I what in my mind, in my mind, I was thinking this is the best job in the world because when I get ninety hours of overtime, you know my my salary is you know great. I'm getting forty five thousand dollars a year. But I but I got laid off, and I learned all this great stuff. And I met amazing relationships. I was working for Exxon, Mobil, Texaco, Shell, Aramco. Oh, wow. Um, you know, working for all these uh, uh, big oil companies and learning how to do everything there is to build a gas station, take a gas station down. And, and I just, I sucked it up like a sponge. I got out of that bit of business and uh, I found my, my dream job, I thought, at the time. Um, working for an operations manager for a, a hazardous material waste response company where, you know, sometimes you just got to say right place, wrong, wrong place, right time, you know, right place, wrong time. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, I ended up in the thick of the uh, September 11th, 9-11 oh. as an emergency response operations manager. And what happened you know, after September 11th, uh, which everybody can remember, there was anthrax attacks on Capitol Hill. Right. And and my company got called in. I remember going down and meeting with the the Capitol Police uh, captain in charge of the bomb squad. And he didn't have people trained in 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 biochemical warfare. Well, I happened to have weapons of mass destruction training. I went through Anniston, Alabama and played with the Saren and the VX gas. I was the only guy in my entire company that understood how to deal with anthrax. So next thing you know, I'm selling almost $5 million worth of business with the government. I'm running 400 people coming in and out of the Hart Senate building and then, you know, working as backup to the bomb squad in, in, in the heart, in, in the Capitol Police. Jeez. And then, I'll tell you, it was, it was pretty amazing. And all that time I was thinking to myself, I figured something out. I know how to sell a project. You know, I, for a long time I wanted to sell and try and develop business. And I, and I went in there and I sold this project and then I performed the work. And then I got into... 2002 and the owner of the company that I was working for we had an agreement that he would give me uh, 5% of the net profits of the region that I was working well that number turned out to be about $50,000 he sent me $367 and I wow. remember my looking at my wife and telling her this is just bull. You know, I cannot believe this guy would, would do this. Uh, in fact, he was a, a former Marine. Uh, it was even more devastating because he was, you know, he'd been out for a long time, but he was a former Marine. And, and you know, you just you just don't break that, that word. I know that, you know, we talk about the 10% out there. So for me, I was devastated. So, I, you know, I said there must be some sort of mistake. I drove up to his office in, you know, New Jersey, 
and he uh, he promptly told me that there was no mistake that the company handbook had changed and operation managers didn't get bonuses anymore. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I said, I've worked 150 hours a week for you, you know, for months and months and put myself in harm's way and went into uh, anthrax environments, even, uh, you know, and did all this stuff for you and this is how you're going to do it. And, you know, this is where he promptly showed me what greed looked like. And, you know, he told me that I was nothing without him. And I remember driving back to Virginia from New Jersey going, I'll show him. And I, I resigned. And I, that was the day I said, I'm going to start my own business. And, you know, I never looked back. And I want to I want to point out something here to the listeners too. Uh, Sean made that decision right then and there, you know, and it took it took something uh, from somebody else, somebody else's actions <clears throat> to to kind of you know thrust you forward in, into opening up your own business. And and sometimes we go through life like that where where some, something happens to us from you know somebody does something or uh, you get somebody that doesn't truly appreciate what you have to offer them and um it, it sounds like that that was definitely a big uh turning point for you that kind of thrusted you forward into it, what, it what was you're doing the straw now. that broke the camel's back yeah it yeah. was that was it you know i had thought about it for a long time and and i i did um but that was it and that was like you know what hell or high water i'm going to go do it and What's the worst thing that could happen? They shave my head bald and send me back to Paris Island. You know, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I can make this work. And a little bit I know it was going to be a very long, long journey. Uh, you know, to get to this point in my life. But I'm so glad I did that because I think at the at the end of the day, there's nothing like having the ability to control your own fate, your own destiny. I get that there's things that you can't control, but you can control, you know, if you get up out of bed and start working in the morning, you can control, um, you know, laziness, you can control motivation, you can control a lot of things in your life right. that, you know, are, are all contributing factors to your success or failure. You know, there's a lot of truth into, you know, what you put into it you know, you get back. Now, did I imagine that I was going to be a, a $37 million company in five years later? No, I didn't. I, you know, um, I planned on, I, you know, I wrote a business plan. I, I put things together. I, I investigated, I put a target market together. Um, you know, now, no, no, Sean, let me interrupt you real quick. You, right. you, you said earlier, did, did you go to college? No, I didn't. Okay, so I, I want to, and, and, and I want to point that out, folks. Thirty-seven million dollars plus company. Five years after, you know, five years later, the man wrote his own business plan, started, wrote his own marketing plan, and look at the the success that this gentleman has had. It, it, I'm telling you, folks, you need to. You're you're already online listening to the show. Um, you you need to to make sure you follow. Sean, and you can simply visit his website by going to www.sergeanttoceo.com. Um, this is his book is something you have to have if, if you're wanting to get into business. 
you need to read his book first. This this is definitely something you have to have in your arsenal. This he is a, this the spitting image of what success looks like coming from starting from nothing and going to where he's at you know right now sean tell us a little bit you know you started the company with with, with just yourself how many employees do you have right now uh right now we're at like 55 but i've been as high as 120 um but you know with the you know it's it's you know we're we're keeping pace with the economy right now but um but 55, we, you know, across the country, we have people in Alaska, we have people in California, Texas. Uh, we've worked in Afghanistan, we've worked in Canada, we've worked in Cuba, we've worked in the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico right now. So it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. We've kind of I've kind of slowed it down a little bit. We we had a quite a bit of expansion uh, from 2008 to 2012. We you know, we literally went from uh, $13,000 first year revenue to uh, $30 million. It was crazy. And we were just growing exponentially. But now it's pretty smooth sailing. Are you hiring? That's the next question. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I might have to do a career a re- change here. I might have looking, to do a career change. <laughs> we're looking for a really good superintendent in the mid-Atlantic right now. But, uh, you know, um, we really, a lot of our, you know, we, we're not like big corporate. You know, we're, I consider my company a family uh I know all my employees. I know their kids. Uh, I one thing I learned, you know, along when I when I first interviewed for that Fortune 500 job, was that I was when I was hired, I was employee number 700, and I met the president of the company the day after I got hired, and I'll never forget it. I I went in there and I stepped in the guy's office. And here's this gray-haired fellow, sleeves rolled up, thick New York accent. He starts talking to me like I'm his next-door neighbor. And he asked me questions, and and he, uh, you know, it was sort of like an interview. And he's like, well, you know, I make it a habit to meet every employee that works for me. And I was thinking, well, if I'm employee 700, that means he's met over 700 people. Yeah. And I and I thought to myself, I said, how awesome is that? And he made me feel like a million bucks. And of course, this was the first time I'd ever met a millionaire in my life, at least that I knew of. And he was kind of like, uh, <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a CEO. Uh, I'm sorry. I knew I wanted to be a CEO when I was young. And I had two goals in life. I wanted to be G.I. Joe and president of something. <laughs> and that was, you know, I mean, that's, that's been my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, you know, I, I, that, that is the honest God street since I was, you know, since I can remember, I wanted to be GI Joe and president of something. And he asked me what I expected to get out of his company. And I said, sir, I hope to have your job one day. And I'll never forget his look on his face. It wasn't like, uh, you know, you're full of it. He actually turned around and he goes, I believe that. And I think you can do that. And I thought it was a lot of encouragement coming from a really down earth guy. And I, I remember that. So I, I just, I'm thinking about, you know, like, yes, I've had all these great successes, but it was people like that where I took those nuggets of wisdom uh, from them and used that in my own life. So 
just wanted to and, bring and, that up. And, and folks, Sean, is Sean, I've talked, I've had the opportunity to talk to you, you know, through email and, and, and on the phone a few times. And it, listen, folks, when I tell you this is a man that you want to follow, uh, his word is, is, is golden. He gives you all the tools that you need to be successful. They broke the mold and there was Sean. He's, he's, his company is, is, 500 out of 5,000 list for uh, the last four years. It's one of the fastest growing companies in the country. Um, it's located in the top 500 uh, in the country. You in in not only is, is your company growing, but one of the things I want to highlight real quick uh, with you is you also you know you support several nonprofits and you give back to the community. So you, you're out there, you're doing this, you're building, you're helping veterans uh, in the heroes community, and, and but you're also you're giving back as well. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the organizations that you get that you give back to? Well, sure. I mean, you know, I I think like with anything. Um, you know, whenever you have success or, uh, even if you, you know, whatever you can do, I think it's, it's always good to give back and, and contribute. Uh, you know, my company's done everything from, uh, toys for tots, uh, food banks, uh, decorate a vet. We've helped out, uh, uh, veterans uh, whose homes are dilapidated. We've, you know, helped contribute hours, workforce, people to clean them up and put new sidewalks in, things of that nature. Um, homeless shelters. Uh, we've done, uh, oh my gosh, you know, Purple Heart. Uh, I had a couple wounded warriors uh, a while back that I took from the wounded warriors program that were participating in it. They got hired by my firm and help them get good government jobs. Um, I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, any chance we can, you know, we're going to, we're going to step out and do something, you know, and that, it, uh, we're doing scholarships for veterans and, uh, with another nonprofit in Hawaii. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff with, uh, uh, the army Corps of engineers where we're, you know, helping college kids, uh, 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 go to school and engineering. It's, it's just something that, you know, we got to do. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, like I said, we're just trying to, we're not out there in front. We're just behind the scenes. We're not, we're just, you know, trying to do good for society in any way we can. And, and my hat's off to you, John. I'm really glad that our, uh, our paths have, have crossed. Uh, Sean, for for the listeners out there that are listening to this right now, that that have you know that are trying to make that decision uh, to move forward. Let's say you got somebody that is looking to either get into upper management or they're wanting to branch out and start their own company. If you could give them one piece of advice today, uh, what would you tell them? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. There's there's a lot of it, a lot of advice I could give, but. The best advice I can give to anybody is stay true to yourself. Um, going out and starting a business, if you're expecting to make a million dollars tomorrow, uh, you know, be realistic. Set realistic goals. Um, what, what I tell people is I didn't go in there and, you know, build the Pentagon on the first day. I, I built the shed behind the Pentagon. You know, short, short choppy steps. You know, take your time. Um, 
be down to earth, be true to yourself. And I, that will show, I mean, you know, the, my greatest success in, in really in business and marketing was not telling everybody how smart I was, was letting everyone tell me how smart they were. And once they told me how smart they were, then I was able to give them what they needed so that they would be happy, you know? And I think it, it all comes back to is, you know, taking care of your, your, your customers, taking care of your employees and taking care of your family. And I think if you can do all those things, you can do, uh, do very well. I have one good story that I like to, I like to share with people that think, well, you know, his stuff is too intricate and, and, you know, he's doing all these complex federal deals. And I tell people the green side up story and it's real simple. Can you turn on a lawnmower? Can you mow grass? And I remember Harold Valentine growing up, guy from my church growing up. He, everybody used to give him a hard time. He lived on a shack on a, a piece of Florida farmland. And he kids. But old Harold was a hard worker. And, you know, Harold went out there and he'd be cutting the grass. And, and the, the folks in the church would, you know, pay him to mow their grass and everything else. And I remember within about six months' time... Old Harold had bought a couple extra lawnmowers and hired on a couple more guys. Next thing you know, about a year later, Harold's got a workforce of 200 mowing half the grass in Florida. And all I'm saying is that there's nothing out there that is too complicated that you can't start a business. You know, and it's just a case in point. Keep it simple, stupid, does apply on the outside. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Folks, you're listening to the Decision Hour. Uh, it's a very special interview uh, today with Mr. Sean Jensen, author of Sergeant to CEO. Go to www.sergeanttoceo.com. Uh, Make sure you check him out. Follow him up on Facebook. We'll have all that stuff up here on the Decision Hour uh, social media sites, as well as his book and where you can find it on Amazon, on the Heroes Media Group uh, network uh website as well. Uh, Sean, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today uh, to, to talk with us. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to future conversations with you. Any parting words before we let you go today? Well, I, I really, you know, just want to thank guys like you who are taking the time to uh, talk to me about my story. You know, I, I got to tell you, I was, a, I was a little nervous about uh, putting it out there. Uh, you know, in this world, we got all these people that, uh, if you put yourself out there, they're going to throw rocks at you. But, you know, I told my wife, I said, well, you know, I put myself out there every day and they'd still throw rocks at me. So it doesn't matter if I (laughs) write, write a book or not. I said, you know, they're still going to write, they're still going to throw rocks. But I, you know, I, I think that my message is clear. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, uh, you know, trying to talk to foster kids and, you know, troubled youth, you know, that's part of my story as well. Um, big fan of, of trying to uh, help our transitioning veterans, whether you're getting out after 30 years or you're getting out after your first high school enlistment. Um, you know, it's important that you realize now, now's the time to start preparing. You know, you need to start preparing for your future. You have to take it seriously. If you really, really want to be successful, 
you know, you, you, you got to take it seriously. And I, and I think that message is getting out. And, and the, you know, Sergeant to CEO is not a how-to book. You know, I would classify it as more of a lessons learned, you know, type of book. But I think the message, you know, inside the book is, is that never give up. I mean, I was in, I was placed in some incredibly difficult uh, circumstances in the, in my story, uh, both in, in life and in business. Um, I, you know, and I share that in the book, you know, it's, it's a, this is what's going on. It's a passionate, uh, you know, review of, of some of the most challenging situations in my life. But, you know, it's, to me, it's, I'm worried about, our veterans future. I'm worried about the 22 a day that are taking their lives because they feel like there's no hope out there. And for me, I feel like if I can just inspire one person that reads my story and says, Eureka, you know, I can do this. And you know, this 10 years from now, I get a letter from somebody that says, you know what? Thank you for writing that book. Yeah. I think it'll be all worth it. That's, you know, I don't, yeah. I didn't set out to be like, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to get rich off of being, you know, writing this book. I don't, I, that's not really my, my, my concern at all. I, I have a full-time job and, and I have a family that I got to take care of and, you know, and, and I'm, I still got to go out and blow snow this weekend when the blizzard comes, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, I'm a pretty, like I said, if I was in the grocery store, you would never know I was behind you in line. Right. But, but um, the, but I, the I, purpose, I, it's the purpose in, in, in helping others. And that's, and I think that's, that's one of the the key things that the Heroes Media Group, which we're a part of, uh, definitely stresses. It's you always put the purpose first, and 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 helping others. And and I I can't agree with you more uh, on that, Sean. Listen, folks, everybody, Sean Jensen, Sergeant to CEO. Check it out: www.sergeant2ceo.com. Sean, thanks for being with us today. Hey, very, thank you very much, Adam. I, I really enjoyed talking to you, and these are the kind of interviews I like. There's nothing sophisticated about it. Just uh, you guys yapping about the wind. Appreciate <laughs> it. Listen, you always have an open mic here with us, so anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome. Oh, fantastic. I appreciate that. Not a problem. Thank you, Sean. Take care. Take care. You've been listening to a very special interview with Sean Jensen right here on the Decision Hour. And that was Sean Jensen, author of Sergeant 2 CEO. Uh, I'm looking forward. I just ordered the book myself, folks. Uh, I would definitely highly recommend if you're getting into business or you want to make that decision to, uh, moving forward in your life, you need to read Sean's book, Sergeant to CEO. So that's it for this special edition uh, of the Decision Hour. We are out of time today. Until next time, folks, uh, take care. You've been listening to the Decision Hour.